Welcome to Mexico Unexplained, where we will explore the magic, the mysteries, and the miracles of Mexico. This series presents information based partly on theory and conjecture. The podcaster's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the subjects we will examine. Here is your host, Robert Bitto. Welcome. And muy bienvenidos to episode number 99 of Mexico Unexplained, where we examine the magic, the mysteries, and the miracles of Mexico. I'm your host, Robert Bitto. The early part of the 21st century has seen the rise of the home-based DNA testing kit. People who are curious about their ancestors can take a swab from inside their mouths and send off the swab to a lab for analysis. Commercials on television and the internet for the big companies offering DNA-based race-ethnic discovery services emphasize the wow or surprise factor of getting tested. A red-haired woman, for example, shows her shock at being 15% East Asian. An African-American man is equally surprised when his DNA results show that he is 8% Scandinavian. On YouTube, there are many videos of people revealing their ancestry results to their viewers live. A curious amount of Mexican-Americans in this space express a universal surprise that part of their DNA indicates sub-Saharan African origins. For many years, the idea of what it meant to be Mexican has rested on the idea of mestizaje, or the blend of blood and culture of the Spanish conquerors with the indigenous or Native American population. La raza cósmica, or simply la raza, a term used by many Mexicans and Mexican-Americans alike, is usually used to describe the blending of Spanish and Indian to create a new ethnicity entirely, a separate and distinct identity. What is often left out of this blend are cultural and genetic influences from Africa, and hence the surprise expressed in the YouTube videos from DNA test result recipients. Not many people are aware that on average, Mexicans have 4% African blood in them, and less is known about African contributions to Mexican culture and history. When the topic of African influence in Mexico comes up, It is often mentioned that any sort of blackness has been washed out or has blended in to the national culture and gene pool, and historically little attention has been given to it. As individuals and communities of people with predominantly African heritage in Mexico make themselves more widely known to others, there has been a growing awareness of Africa's continuing contribution to the nation of Mexico and the idea of Mexicanness. There are three distinct infusions of Africanness into Mexico across the nation's 500-year modern history. These infusions include the arrival of the first Africans as slaves during the colonial times, the arrival of African Americans from the United States to the northern part of Mexico in the mid-19th century, and African and Afro-Caribbean migration to Mexico in the age of globalization. The first people of African origin in Mexico were those black slaves and free men who accompanied and fought alongside the first Spanish conquistadores in the New World. It is estimated that six blacks took part in the Spanish conquest of the Aztec Empire. Notable among them was a freeman named Juan Garrido, 
who was born in the Congo Kingdom, traveled to Portugal as a boy, and ended up in Santo Domingo in 1502 as one of the first colonists there. He joined Cortés on the march to the Aztec capital of Tenochtitlan, and later joined conquistador Nuno de Guzmán on Spanish expeditions to what is now the Mexican states of Jalisco and Michoacán. Garrido is pictured in the Aztec Book of History, the Codex Azcatitlán, as standing alongside Doña Marina, also known as the Malinche, the famous native translator and mistress of Cortés. Garrido later settled down in New Spain and married an Aztec woman, and was listed in the colonial documents as a farmer of wheat. One of the first people to explore the northern modern-day Mexican state of Chihuahua, and what is now known as the American Southwest, was a black man named Estebanico, who was part of the earlier Narbaez expedition of Florida and the North American Gulf Coast. Estebanico was a slave, and because of his prior experience with the natives of the northern part of Mexico, he was part of the Marcos de Niza expedition, which left Mexico City to head north in 1539. As Estebanico was part of the scouting team traveling about a day ahead of Deniza, he was the first non-Native American to visit Chihuahua and what is now the U.S. states of New Mexico and Arizona. The first community of freed blacks in the Americas was founded in Mexico in 1608. In 1537, there was a small slave rebellion led by a man named Gaspar Yanga, also called Nianga, in what is now the Mexican state of Veracruz. Forty years after the revolt, Spanish authorities recognized the former slaves' rights to exist as free men, and the community of San Lorenzo de los Negros today called Yanga, was given limited autonomy by the Spanish crown. Famous examples aside, Africans began arriving in Mexico in great numbers as slaves in the early 1500s, only a few decades after the Spanish conquest of the Aztec Empire. The native slave labor pool began to dwindle because of disease and by the fact that the indigenous were not used to the harsh working conditions imposed upon them by the Spanish. As the captive labor force diminished, King Charles V of Spain allowed slaves to be imported into the Spanish territories in the New World. Portugal had controlled the African slave trade throughout most of the 16th century, and most slaves came from West Africa. Initially, African labor was brought to the plantations of the West Indies. Black slaves began arriving in greater numbers in Mexico starting in the 1580s, mostly to work the plantations in Mexico's tropical areas, to work in the ever-growing silver mines, and to be put to use in the textile industry. Sometimes slaves came directly from Africa, but also many came from the Caribbean territories. There were two main types of classifications for African slaves in colonial Mexico, retintos and amulatados. The first group were swarthier and had a physical build for hard labor. The second group were of slighter build and sometimes with lighter skin and were generally used as house servants or to perform various menial tasks. 
In the 1500s and 1600s, a slave usually sold for around 400 pesos. Mexico never developed into a slave-based plantation society, as the U.S. South did, and by the 1640s the importation of African slaves had ceased. Mining had declined by this time, and cheaper textiles began to be imported from England. Many Spanish slave owners in colonial Mexico had children with female slaves, and those children became a new class of people collectively known as mulatto. In the colonial caste system, those with one black and one indigenous parent were called sambos. In general, black people were seen as the other in this period of Mexican history, something exotic and alien. In the records of the Spanish Inquisition in Mexico City, there is an overrepresentation of people of African birth and African descent being tried for sexual dereliction and witchcraft. As many black people in this time period held on to vestiges of their African religious beliefs, there were quite a few people who were accused of being sorcerers and witches. There is even a famous legend of a woman known as La Mulata de Córdoba, which exists in Mexico to this day. A black woman who was jailed for practicing witchcraft in Veracruz asked her jailer for a piece of charcoal so she could pass the time drawing pictures in her jail cell. According to the legend, she drew a picture of a ship, recited a magical incantation, and then jumped into the picture, thus escaping jail. During the colonial period, it is unknown how many Africans and Afro-Caribbean people were imported to Mexico as slaves, but estimates reach as high as 200,000. As mentioned earlier, this importation pretty much ceased by the mid-1600s, and the practice of slavery in Mexico, which was seen as somewhat anachronistic by the late 1700s, was abolished by the new nation of Mexico in 1829. A second migration to Mexico of people of African descent began almost immediately after the country achieved its independence. As Mexico outlawed slavery in 1829, escaping to Mexico became an objective of many enslaved African Americans wishing to flee the peculiar institution. The trickle across the Rio Grande grew larger with time. Many Americans are unaware that a branch of the Underground Railroad went south instead of north, thus funneling hundreds of escaped slaves into the northern part of Mexico. A famous group of blacks called the Mascogos, comprised of escaped slaves and freemen, numbering into the hundreds, left the plantations of Florida and made the dangerous overland journey crossing several southern states, eventually making it to northern Mexico, settling in the town of El Nacimiento in the state of Coahuila. Their descendants live in that town to this day. Besides the Mascogos group, runaway slaves tended not to arrive to Mexico in groups or even in family units. As a result of this, many American blacks just intermarried and silently blended in to mainstream Mexican culture, retaining little of what they had left behind in the United States, especially after a few generations. The third wave of African people and people of African descent coming to Mexico has occurred in the age of globalization over the past 50 years. This is primarily because of the ease of migration. 
Many people of African descent fled Caribbean island nations and territories since the 1960s to escape communism, poverty, or natural disasters, and many ended up in Mexico. Although not a country known for taking in mass numbers of African refugees, Mexico has harbored some people escaping brutal conditions in Africa. With ease of travel in the modern age, African and African descendants from outside the mother continent have ended up in Mexico for a variety of reasons. A notable Afro-Mexican from the Age of Globalization group is the only Mexican woman ever to have won an Academy Award. Lupita Nyong'o won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for her role in the movie Twelve Years a Slave. Named for the Virgin of Guadalupe, Nyong'o was born of Kenyan parents in Mexico City in 1983. She moved to Kenya as a small child, but returned to Mexico at the age of 16, living in Tosco, Guerrero. She retains dual Mexican and Kenyan citizenship and is fluent in Spanish, English, the language of her Kenyan family called Luo, and the East African lingua franca Swahili. As the people from this third wave have not arrived in large groups, there are no neighborhoods or specific areas of the country in which Africans have congregated. There is no expat African barrio in Mexico City, for example. It is often assumed, even by the Mexicans themselves, when a black person is spotted in a major city that the person is a recent arrival or guest worker from Africa, the U.S., or the Caribbean. Unknown to many modern-day Mexicans, many descendants from the first colonial wave of Africans continued to live in intact black communities in parts of the former plantation areas of Veracruz and in the Pacific coastal areas of Guerrero and Oaxaca. The latter Pacific area is known as the Costa Chica, or small coast in English. There has been no mass migration out of these areas to major Mexican cities. While African DNA is evident in the people inhabiting the small towns of these locations, the old African culture has been preserved only in small pieces in things like food, music, dance, and clothing. Outside these mostly remote areas where people of high percentage of African heritage currently live, what influence has historic Africanness had on Mexican national culture? One of Mexico's iconic dishes, and one found on the menus in many Mexican restaurants in the United States, Mole Poblano, has its origins in African cooking, as do many other peanut-based dishes from Veracruz. Various recipes involving plantains also come from Mexico's African heritage. When non-Mexicans ask Mexicans about the origins of the popular song La Bamba, the average Mexican will be unable to explain that the title of the song, the rhythm, and the dancing that goes along with it have deep African roots. Other bits of popular culture with black influence include the character from the Mexican bingo game Loteria called El Negrito and a series of comic books dating back to the 1940s about a mischievous black boy named Memin Penguin. Some historical figures with mixed mestizo and African heritage in Mexico include Mexican President Vicente Guerrero, Mexican War of Independence hero José María Morelos, 
and the last governor of California under Mexican rule, Pio Pico. In an attempt to recognize and quantify modern-day people of African identity in Mexico, in 2015 the Mexican government conducted what was called an intercensal survey of its people to identify those citizens who considered themselves to be Afro-Mexicans. There were 1,381,853 people who identified as belonging to this group, which makes up 1.2% of Mexico's population. Lauded by civil rights groups and social activists, this was the first time in Mexican history that the government formally reached out to acknowledge Mexicans of African descent. In the 2020 census, the term Afro-Mexican will be a formal racial and ethnic category. A full 500 years after the Spanish conquest of Mexico, the descendants of Mexico's first African settlers will finally get the formal recognition they have long deserved. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Mexico Unexplained. Remember to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends by sharing these shows with others. Please go to our website, MexicoUnexplained.com, for references, illustrations, and for free access to transcripts of past shows. Please visit Amazon.com to purchase the book, Mexico Unexplained, to get a hard copy of The Magic, The Mysteries, and The Miracles of Mexico. We appreciate your kind attention once again. Until next time, thank you and gracias. Thank you for listening to another episode of Mexico Unexplained with host Robert Bitto. For show summary, relevant links and commentary, please check out our website at mexicounexplained.com. Like us on Facebook and be a part of the conversation. Adios and hasta la vista. <laughs>